we exalt you and we lift you up today. And Father, we just thank you. We want to hear from heaven so that you can heal us emotionally, physically, in every way. And we just thank and praise you, Lord. And we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to talk about natural wisdom versus the wisdom of God. Amen. You know, everything that God says to us has to be, um, I don't want to say decipher, but it has to be received by his spirit. Amen. When I was in a traditional church, I always wondered why God wrote the Bible to believers. I used to say the sinners need it. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Why didn't he write this to everybody? You know, but I found out that the natural mind cannot understand the things of God. I really didn't know that. But I said, these sinners need this word, and he's talking to us, and we already saved, you know. Little did I know he's trying to talk, t- teach us how to stay saved. <laughs> and those of us that are saved just a little bit, he's trying to conform us to the, his son's image. Amen. But, you know, it takes the discernment of God to even understand the Bible. And this is why the Pharisees hated Jesus. And they was always saying, what manner of man is this? And who do you think you are? You know, who told you that you can come in here and talk over our heads and we don't understand what you're saying? You know, but that's why he told Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. So it takes the spirit of the living God to speak to your heart so that you'll receive all that you can receive from this word. Amen. And so God doesn't speak to our heads. He speaks to our hearts. He, the natural man doesn't understand spiritual things. Amen. And this is why sometimes, you know, when people don't understand, I tell them you will. Because I did. But it took time. Because that thing came full circle as I started to understand and know God and develop a relationship with him. And so he started to help me think, help me receive. And he's still doing that. I think this is a forever thing until we go home. You know, but God helps us to understand some things. Everything, really. Everything has to be, uh, you know, I, I have a picture of a sifter. Like you put flour in a sifter and you, well, mine, I'll have one of those. I got one of them old-fashioned ones. I just like it. And so everything has to go through that sifter. And God, you know, what comes out is revelation. Amen. And God shows us how to, you know, get the dross and get the little bubbles and all that little things used to be with the flour, the clumps. And then what's, what comes out on the other end is revelation. And this is how God speaks to us. Truth. Amen. Truth goes through that sifter. That sifter being our brains. <laughs> and all of those misconceptions are caught in the sifter. Amen. Those things that you didn't understand and know. Those things that just didn't make sense. But when it all falls in the bowl, it goes through that sifter. It all comes together. Amen. And you put the milk and the eggs in it. You know, that's the blessing. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and it all comes together. And it's just such a wonderful thing. Amen. And so if, if you don't understand, you will. Because God doesn't leave anybody, um, you know, out 
and just you never realize because some things are still coming together for me and it's just such a wonderful thing for God to give us his wisdom but the carnal mind I think if we understand how this works it'll work better for us the carnal mind is not in tune with the voice of God had I known that I wouldn't have felt so bad for not understanding for so many years you know and I would hear things and I said well that don't make sense you know and um, and that's why when you are spirit filled, you have to go to a spirit filled church. That's why you can't go backwards. You keep going forward. Amen. Because n- things will never be the same. I mean, they'll never make sense if you are going backwards. And so you have to continue to go forward in God. Amen. And in His wisdom and in His victory. Because where there's wisdom, there's victory. Amen. So the the voice of God, uh, let's see what I have down here. The carnal mind is not in tune with the voice of God. And it can never be. God doesn't think like carnal man. He just doesn't think. His thoughts are higher than ours. But the natural man is non-spiritual. And when I, I put that together, you know, I mean that word, you know how words can change things? Some words you you don't think to say, you know the carnal man can't receive the things of God, but I never understood or thought to use that term non-spiritual. And so that puts things in perspective a little bit better and a little bit better. So the natural man is non-spiritual and doesn't accept or welcome into his heart the teachings or the revelation of the Spirit of God. Because it just doesn't, it doesn't seem pliable. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says because they are foolishness to the natural man. They are folly. Doesn't make sense. They're meaningless and nonsense to him who does not have ears to hear and eyes to see or however you want to put it. And he's incapable of knowing them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. So the spirit man tells all things. The spirit man examines all things. The spirit man investigates and inquires into all things. And the spirit man questions and discerns all things. Amen. And receives it. See, this is the thing. When you know, and, and you can be spirit filled, and that wall will go up. And that's that religion that, that it deeply rooted in all of us. And it will come up in defense. It'll rise up. It, I call that the invisible fence. <laughs> and here it comes. You know how those dogs have them invisible fence. They don't go past that. And here's this invisible fence on the inside of us. I think it's up here. And it'll it'll put up a wall and say, mm, I can't receive that part because it don't it ain't clear. And so God, but in His mercy. He will, if you say to God, I don't understand. I was, that was my middle name. Here I am again. I don't understand. <laughs> and he said, there she is again. But he always helped me. And if you <clears throat> confess that you don't know, then God will start, you know, to put things in order. You know, like a peg, putting it in a pegboard. And that square peg you're trying to fit and 
pushing that round hole. He said, don't put it there. <laughs> no, that don't go there. <laughs> and so he'll teach us how to sharpen and reshape that peg so that it'll tightly fit. And so this is all done supernaturally. Amen. On the inside of us. So in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, verse 14, if you go there, it'll tell you <clears throat> about the natural man. Hallelujah. Is everybody there? 1 Corinthians 2.14. And I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, but the natural man, the non-spiritual man, does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and the revelation of the Spirit of God. For they are meaningless, nonsense, folly, and is incapable of knowing them, <clears throat> of progressively recognizing and understanding and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. But the spiritual man, in verse 15, the spiritual man tries all things. He examines and investigates and inquires into questions and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. See, when you when you discern, when you have that spiritually spiritual discernment, when you know like Jesus, you can be judged. That's what it's really saying. It says, but no one can properly discern or praise or get an insight into him. In other words, no one has the right to judge what God is is doing on the inside of a person. Amen. No one has that right. Uh, let me read that in another translation, verse 15. I'm going to try to message since I'm starting to like that so much. Okay, it says, they seem silliness. The spirit can be known only by the spirit. Mm, that's good. God's spirit and our spirits in open communication. In open communion. Spiritually alive. We have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Amen. Amen. That's what I wanted to read. So you cannot be judged by unspiritual critics because they have no platform. Amen. It's like this because religion or um, head knowledge will cause one person not to understand they have no right to say you're wrong. They have no right to judge you and say, you you know, she said that you, that's, you have no right because, let me read it again, because you're an unspiritual critic. And it says, Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing has been answered. Christ knows, and we have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. Amen. And so anybody, everybody don't know, but everybody can. Amen. Because we have the mind of Christ. Amen. So in other words, there's, there's no capacity for discernment. 
but God can give it to you. The unspiritual, and then the Bible calls this the unspiritual self. I, I don't remember where I found that, but it calls this this mind, this unfruitful mind, the carnal mind, is called the unspiritual self. It says, just as it is by na- nature, can't receive the gifts of God. See, we're trying to understand it by nature because we have a carnal mind because God gave it to us. But it says, it's silly to him. Spirit can only be known by spirit. God's spirit and our spirit is open. Our spirit and God's spirit in open communication. The spirit teaches not in words. And this is another thing I found very interesting. The spirit teaches not in words like man's wisdom teaches. See, God, man can break things down. You know, teachers like Joyce Meyer can break things down and get us to understand in or a teacher in a in a lab or you know your chemistry teacher and they can make those equations balance and they can teach but see spiritually you're not taught like that that's what this bible is saying we we're not taught like man teaches when when God's spirit teaches it you know it goes through you and it's like <laughs> You receive it, it's like, I got that. You know, and so it's like uh, uh, wisdom comes from you being hit with that right word at the right time, that seasoned word with the anointing on it, and it goes through you in such a way that you say, I got that and I own that. It's like Roberts Laird and says something that Oral Roberts said, he said, I own that scripture, I own it. And and it was concerning finances. And he said, I own that. That's my scripture. And that's how I feel about Amos 9.13. That's why I tell people, that's mine. Everybody else ought to say it's theirs. But honey, that's mine. I own that. Amen. Because when you receive it, it goes through you like lightning. Amen. And it's, it has the prophetic uh, connotation on it because, you know, it's like... You know, that's me. And you see yourself in it, even though you ain't walking in it. You see yourself walking in it because you know it's for you. That's why when somebody take a stand to believe whatever it is, uh, you know, from God, whatever it is, <clears throat> nobody can talk them out of it. Because it, that thing is in you. Because God, it's like he took a stamp and stamped it on your heart. He really did. And nobody can talk you out of it. You may listen for a little while, but then you always go back. This is what, when I was thought I was condemning myself, I said, well, I'm not in faith. This was a while back, years ago. And the Lord says, you know you ain't in faith when you don't go back to that thing. You know, you may wander off in your mind. Because, see, we, we need to learn how to fight wrong thinking stinking thinking but sometimes we don't because it's enjoyable (laughs) you say yeah so you have a little party with that for a while but then what do you keep going back to that promise amen because you can't let it go that's faith See, the devil tried to make you think you don't have faith. And he made me think that. And I said, well, God, I ain't in faith. And he said, uh-uh. He took me through the stages and he taught me. And he said, nope. He said, when you totally let it go, it's when you're not in faith is when you never go back to it. 
But if you can just get one person to get you back on the right track with one word, or if God speak one word and you back on track, it's because it's it hooked on to something. See, it can't stand by itself. And so when that one word comes, it hooks you back in because there it grabs your faith again. Amen. You're not in, not in faith like the devil wants you to think. You're just listening to the wrong voice. And voices can be shut down. Amen. Hey, shut it down in Jesus' name. But man's wisdom teaches through words but the spirit teaches spirit through spiritual things with spiritual words to the heart or to the spirit of a man and the natural man is full of doubt and unbelief and is not trained to hear godly information amen that's the natural man that's when you know because i knew i was in the flesh but i didn't have nothing else to hold on to you know, because I was not taught, you know, and and to me, you know how it is when you are into tradition, the the natural looks better. I mean, it looks real to you, but you have to be taught and understand by the spirit that natural is just it's always going to go on. Natural's going to go on. Natural's going to be what it is, but you have to train yourself not to look at it and not to trust in it. It's like sometimes you look at it and you say, "Whatever, you know, okay, da 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 da." I don't like that. Amen. Well, come against it, pray against it, which you know you see that you don't like. Take authority over it and let it go, because it's only the natural. It's 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 see when you know who who the God of this world is. He's met, he's orchestrating. Satan is the god of this world, and he orchestrates everything because he wants you to see what you're seeing. Because he's put, it's like a play, you know. When you go to the playhouse and look at a play, it's rehearsed. Amen. It's for your viewing. It's for you to see, and the devil's laughing because he knows you're going to believe it when you see it. But a, but when you are spiritually led, mm-mm. And you have time to go home and think about that. And you say, I'm throwing that out. I'm casting it down. Because that ain't real. I saw it, but it ain't real. If you don't think like that, you won't survive. Because the the devil plays dirty. He's the God of this world. He orchestrates everything. He he When he knows you're going to be in a specific place at a specific t- time, he got something planned for you all the time. But when you get used to rebuking that and living out of your spirit man and not let these things get to you, he'll go play this game with somebody else. And, and the stuff that threaten you won't threaten you anymore. You'll look at it like a cartoon character. That's a little cartoon over there. I don't feel like laughing. It ain't funny. So I'm going to ignore it. And that's just the way you have to live. You know, like Paul. Paul stayed focused on the goal. That scripture where he says, I, I stay, keep my eyes on the prize, on the goal, the mark of the calling in Christ Jesus. He stayed focused on that. So even though you see things in the natural and you hear things and things are really happening to you, you have to stay focused on what God told you to stay focused on. And you have to stay focused on what God has told you. You don't go by what you see, then you go by what you know. Amen. So Paul was focused on the goal, which was to finish the course that God set before him. Jesus was focused on the goal to finish at the cross. 
So these people stayed focused. Paul was focused on the things of God like a, a laser. You know what a laser looks through what's in front of them. But don't look at it. It looks through. And it stays on the cutting edge. You know, a, a laser, it goes through, sears through and sees truth and hope at the end of whatever is in front of it. A laser doesn't sit there and watch things and lodge there and be convinced about what it's seeing because a laser sees past. A laser sees through. And so when Paul was in, in prison, he wasn't sitting up thinking about what they were doing in there because he knew he was going to get out. He was hoping. He was praying. He wasn't, he wasn't even going to get into the prison buzz. <laughs> He was too busy trying to worship God so the prison doors would open or whatever he was doing. But we keep a sensitive heart towards God. You have to stay, keep a sensitive heart towards God. And that means be ready for God. I don't care if, if you see a, a bird. Look for that bird to give you some light or a message that God is speaking. Well, a bird did speak and let Noah know that land was near. See, he could speak through anything. And so, so now this is what I'm thinking. Noah had his heart towards God. He was looking for any sign. And when he, so God let a bird appear to confirm to him, land is near. This is going to be over in a little while. <laughs> so you have to stay. That's what it means. Keep your heart open to God and let it stay tender to God so that you'll be able to see any sign that he's trying to show you to stay with it. Don't quit. Whatever it is that you you are looking for God to do. Amen. So anything you neglect, you become hardened against. If you neglect your relationship with God, you become hardened against it. If you you um, neglect your prayer time with God, or if you neglect um, <clears throat> casting down imaginations, you'll start that you'll become hardened in your heart, and you'll say, "I don't believe that." That's how people always go back to, "I don't believe that." Harden in their hearts towards certain things. Amen. Philippians three, three. It's just the way it is. I like for it to be different, so it'll be an easier walk. But if we follow instructions, things are so much easier. If we believe what God is saying, I think it's three three or three thirteen. Let me see. No, it's three thirteen. Yeah. Paul is talking about straining forward, straining ahead. Let me get it in my Bible too. I'll trust this little gadget. I mean, you know, I know it's giving me the word, but I still like my King James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Philippians 3.13. And it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says, so I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And so Paul was not letting anything 
he was kept well he kept his heart sensitive towards God that's number 1 and he didn't neglect what was important to him which was his relationship to God and this is what caused him to press forward if you don't say for instance if you get disappointed when you get disappointed you get kind of angry at God if you neglect that relationship you go too long like that then everything will fall apart and you'll feel like you have to start over from from day one but you have to stay with God he Paul is saying no mean no way um, by no means can I count myself an expert on this Paul is saying I'm not an expert I'm I'm struggling just like everybody else but he says now this is the thing that he's doing he said but I got my eyes focused on the goal so in other words this it's like this you don't focus on what's in between you and the goal this stuff that happens in between some of it is God and the devil's gone do a lot of it to keep you from reaching the goal now how do you not reach the goal and well we know quitting but a lot of people don't quit and still not reach the goal because they allow their minds to get you know hooked up in what they see you got to focus Paul said I focus on the goal I don't focus on what happened over here, what happened over there, what that person said, what they believe, what I believe, what somebody's doing, how it looks. He says, I focus on the goal. You have to focus. Keep your mind like a laser on what you're trying to accomplish, not what the devil's doing on on the sidelines. Nobody would ever get anywhere if they did that. Amen. In the Amplified, verse 13, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind and hold these convictions. And if in any respect you have a different attitude of, or, or attitude of mind, God will make that clear to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. In other words, stay with what you know. Don't go with nobody else's bright ideas. Stay with what you know. Because see, you know why? That's the in-between thing. This is how I look at it. Where Paul is or where we are and the goal and anything in between. That's the in-between stuff that the devil does to try to keep you from reaching the goal. See, if he can break your focus off the goal, then he got you. So you you don't focus on what's in between. I don't care what you see. It doesn't matter. It's a cartoon. I'm just telling you what God showed me in the natural. He showed me that. He said, all that's animated stuff, give me a break. It's animated. Are y'all here today? Stuff ain't real. It's orchestrated. Well, I feel that's the problem. You don't feel. 
Stop feeling. Amen. Quit feeling. Because you can't live out of how you feel. You feel it, yes. God gave us feelings to feel, but not our feelings to feel to drive us and to convince us contrary to what he's saying. Then you stop feeling. Stop feeling when it's driving you to be contrary to what God is saying. Are y'all here? Stop it. And you can see this is how, this is called managing your spirit life. Management. You have to manage what God's given. Take care of it. Set your face like a flint. And that means you stay focused like a laser. And you hang with it. Yes, is it difficult sometimes? Of course it is. But is it too much? No, because if it was, God wouldn't put it before us. This is what I've told God through the years. Well, you told me to do this, so it must not be too hard. Maybe it's how I'm looking at it. So I start looking at it a different way. And you have to understand that we have a lot to do with how we feel. We control. It's our job. It's not God's job to make us feel different. It's our job to manage this and govern this body. It's all in the governing and the management. Amen. Amen. So keep your eyes on the goal. Reaching on to what Christ is doing. Staying focused and press forward. And stop looking back. At your failure, how many times you done went backwards, so what? Other people, see, they're not going to tell you how much they have went backwards. Don't worry about how many times. Just let that be the last time. (laughs) And if you go backwards again, let that be the last time. And then when you go backwards again, let that be the last time. But at some point, let it be the last time. Amen. (laughs) Natural wisdom don't, don't work. And God will, you know what God will do? He'll take that or he'll test our natural wisdom. Because he wants to break us out of it. He doesn't want us using our natural wisdom when it's something he's involved in. He don't want that. He'll break it on purpose. Amen. And and I've got proof of that in Matthew 14. So go there. Matthew 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Jesus told the disciples, let's go to the other side, he was breaking natural wisdom. He wants people to spiritually discern things. Amen. Now, these men were fishermen, and I never knew, I never thought of it like this, but I kind of was thinking like this, but I didn't get the full thing. But these men were fishermen. They knew the weather, just like farmers. They can just tell you about when it's going to rain. What's that dick? Don't buy me dick garter. <laughs> they know. And it's just like that fisherman could always tell when something was rumbling under the sea. And they, they would say a storm is coming. And they could pretty much tell you when it was going to come 
or you know sometimes I'm sure it got worse but they knew something was coming but then Jesus tells them go back out there and they're looking at him like man we we haven't been out there already we don't want to go back out there it don't look good but they went and when they went the storm came which they knew that storm was coming that's why they didn't want to go that's the part I didn't connect they knew the storm was coming because they were fishermen. I, I always wonder why the Bible kept stressing the point that they were fishermen. It's okay, they're fishermen. We know that. But there's a difference. Fishermen knew. And they had been fishermen by trade. And if their family, and the, you know, it fell on them. And in their seed, in their seed, it was a tradition. And so these men had natural wisdom of what happened when they went out there. So when storms were approaching, they knew, but God confound their wisdom by saying, go back out there. Now, why am I saying this? This is what I believe God wants us to see. Don't look at it the natural. Don't look at natural conditions. Don't try to figure this gospel out by what you see coming. Well, how can I do that? I can't do that. They said my credit was, was bad. If that's what you want to accept... But I say my credit's good. Amen. Uh, you know, and you'd be like that girl that we knew. Remember her? She went to 17. Bl- I would have quit. I'm just telling you. Back in that day, I'd have said, maybe it ain't my year. <laughs> but she went to 17 banks. The 17th bank told her yes when everybody else told her no. Isn't that something? Because something on the inside of her wouldn't let her quit. See, she didn't go by the natural conditions of that bad credit. Her husband had left her. She needed a vehicle. She had a lot of kids. She had to get to work. Somebody had to help her. And so she didn't give up. Amen. So she didn't, she didn't let the natural conditions stop her. Amen. Those fishermen let natural conditions stop them because of their training and what they knew. But God knew all of this stuff. He did this on purpose to confound the wisdom of the wise. He did this so that he could get the glory and to let them know, look, I'm God. Let's go to the other side. Well, it's going to storm. Let's go to the other side. Well, if he says you go into the other side, you surely get there. Amen. Amen. But their natural thinking was, what is this? Is this guy crazy? Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus compelled them against their own wisdom. God is always going to challenge our natural wisdom. He's going to challenge it because he wants us to see that we don't know everything. And you can't live by what you know. Not all the time. Now, I'm not talking about in natural circumstances. If you want to go and sign on the dotted line, you know not to do things like that. I'm not talking about that because God doesn't have to hold our hands in everything. But I'm talking about spiritual things. God wants us to depend on him. Even in natural situations, he wants us to pray and ask him what to do. Amen. Amen. Don't ever enter into a contract unless you consult God. Amen. This is just what he does. Hallelujah. 
So their own wisdom said go back. God's wisdom said go on on the lake. <laughs> I guess I better read it in the Amplified. Matthew fourteen twenty two. It says, then he directed the disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent away the crowds. And after he had dismissed the multitudes, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And this is what we always need to do, to stay in the spirit. When you feel the, when you feel the natural crashing down on you, does anybody here know what I'm talking about? And, you, and you're about to say, okay, I'm about to give in because I don't know the real answer. I'm kind of thinking this ain't what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know what to do. Go along and, and go pray like Jesus did. If he needed a time out, so do we. And so he went up into the hills to pray by himself, and when it was evening, he was still there alone. But the boat was by this time out on the sea. Many furloughs, or a furlog, is one-eighth of a mile. So it was an eighth of a mile in distance to the land, beaten and tossed by the waves, for the wind was against them. And I know they say, where is the man that told us to take this boat out? Verse 25, and in the fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m., that's always been my watch since I was an intercessor. For all y'all that know, if she stay up late, well, I go to sleep, I wake up, I go to sleep, that's my watch. Amen. So that's just what I am. Amen. So by the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them watching walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were terrified and said is it a ghost and they and they screamed out with fright but instantly he spoke to them saying take courage or be not afraid i am it is me stop being afraid and peter answered him lord if it is you command me to come to you on this water and he said come so peter got out of the boat and walked on water and he came to jesus but when he perceived now this is what we need to understand when he perceived he felt the strong wind natural conditions changed his faith he was walking on water he was using his faith he just obeyed god he followed instructions And when he obeyed God and followed instructions, he was walking on water. Amen. More of us need to walk on water. What does walking on water mean? It means keeping circumstances under your feet. We need to learn to walk on water and not submit or succumb to what the situation is. So God can cause you, if you you stay with him, he can cause you to walk on your circumstances. That water was a circumstance at that time. Amen. Especially according to the fishermen who knew that storm was kicking up and they out there and where is he? And so Peter said, tell me to come and I'll come. And he did. And he came toward Jesus, but when he perceived and felt the strong wind, when he started looking, when he started looking, instead of like a laser, keeping his eyes on the prize, his focus and his attention was on what was going on around him. So when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened. 
what you see in front of you, the devil makes that little cartoon, that show he putting on for you because he think he know you so well. And he's putting that show on for you. And when you start to look at it and let it grab your attention, you fall. It's the same thing in anything. Anything. It's what happens. You know, we know, I know because I've been there. And if I let it get to me now, I'll fall. But I'm, I'm not banging my head against the wall. Amen. I ain't going backwards. I'm going forward. Amen. I know that trick. <laughs> Amen. I, I'm, not, I'm not succumbing to animation anymore. Amen. Keep it, keep it moving. Hallelujah. I don't know where I was. In 30, 32. I think it's 30, 31. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and caught and held him, saying to him, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? So let's just sum this up. When we look at natural circumstances, when we look at what we see, you doubt and you have fear. Because that's what happened to Peter. It says, Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and held him saying oh ye of little faith why did you doubt amen so it's doubt why because up in 30 it says peter became afraid of the strong wind he was afraid of what he saw he was afraid of what he felt y'all here when you start getting afraid of what you see get in the the, the secret place that's how you survive amen If you know your rebuker ain't rebuking that thing and it's still there, get in the secret place. Nothing wrong with that. Humble people, that's what they do. Arrogant people don't. That's just the way it is because you have to stay submitted to God. Not only in what you do in your attitude and the way you think. That's why the Bible calls it a high thing. That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's a high thing because it's higher than the knowledge of God. It's arrogance and it's pride. Telling you, been there, done that, don't work. And so you have to come down and let that just surrender to God and say, God, I don't even know what's going on. You ever been there? I know some of y'all haven't, a few. I have. And I say, I don't know what's going on. And as soon as you submit, that submit to his authority, he'll give you pure focus. He'll straighten out. He'll give you, uh, uh, you know, what you need to be looking at. He'll set you back up more sternly or stronger. You'll be stronger than you were before if you let it happen. Now, some people retreat and hide and just run. But at some point, you don't you realize you have to still pass that place. <laughs> you have to pass go at some point. Amen. And so don't let signs, don't let the signs, the condition, con, you know, confuse you because it will. Amen. You know, the clouds, the rain, the lightning, all of those things are orchestrated to put fear in you. To cloud your thinking. That's why they call it clouds. You know, the devil does that all the time. 
He uses clouds to cloud your thinking. Amen. Cloud your understanding. So you not won't be wise. And you, you know, but you know, we don't like to be wrong. So we want to stay wise in our own eyes. That's called self. You know, God don't like it because it's pride. Yeah. He love us, but he hate pride. Proverbs 3, 6. Hallelujah. Verse 6. Amen. And in Proverbs 3, 6, it says to lean not to your own understanding. Amen. You know that thing, the whole thing about that, get in the boat, fisherman. I don't care what you know, get in the boat. Knowing and have That whole thing was done so that God could teach them how to lean not to their own understanding. In all of their ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct their path. That's what that was for. Amen. So Proverbs 3, 6 says, in, in all your ways, well, verse 5 says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord. And when they were in that boat, they weren't confident in him because they thought he had, well, actually, he left them. <laughs> he left them. And so I would have been saying, well, is he crazy? Which they did. But then you got to look, take it a step further, that laser that looks through circumstances saying that he told us to come in here and he's God. If he told us to get in this boat, he's going to pray, left us here, storm is boisterous, the winds and the waves are raging, he must have a way of escape. Amen. So that's what clicks in after the is he nuts thing passes. Amen. And he had a way of escape. He was coming back. Amen. And he knew that storm was not. It was orchestrated to challenge, challenge their uh, self-righteousness. But it was not orchestrated to hurt them. Amen. God don't want to hurt us. He just want to gain our confidence. So we'll stop having confidence in our plans, our goals, and our, what we doing. Amen. He wants us to keep our eyes on the prize that he has set before us and not the ones that we have set before us. So trust in, oh, let me go back. Lean on, trust in, and be confident, Proverbs 3, 5. In the Lord, with all of your heart and your mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all of your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. See, when you, when you do your plan B, C, D, E, F, and G, he ain't, ain't going to tell you nothing until you get done. Amen. But when you get done, he'll make your path and your way straight. Verse 7 says, and be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord. Now, why does it say fear the Lord? Because when you are wise in your own eyes, that's pride. That's arrogance. It's the opposite. So, you know, when, you know it's opposite of reverence. Reverence means I'm bowing to you, to your plan, to your purpose, 
to, to everything that you're doing, I'm bowing to it and nothing else because I don't have no more plans because, frankly, I don't care what one way or the other. You know, it's good to get like that. And then grab on to something in your lifeboat and ride with that. Amen. Not be wise in your own eyes, but reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. Now, evil, what's evil? Having your own plans and being wise in your own mind. Calling your own shots for your life that you ain't paid a dime for. Now, who was that said they ain't paid a lick? Oh, that was Sheree. They, this one, uh, Mr., uh, what was that landlord of hers? Remember Booth, Mr. Booth said, you ain't paid a lick of rent. <laughs> well, she had paid it, but, you know, he wasn't keeping good books. We ain't paid a lick of, uh, of money for what God is doing. Not a lick. That's an old term, too. You ever heard that one before, Nola? That's something from, you know, Mr. Booth went back in the day. You ain't paid a lick of nothing. Well, we ain't paid a lick of, for our lives because we can't. We don't have enough money to pay for breathing every day. Amen. Every day is a blessing. We ain't paid for it. We're not in charge of it. God is. And there are certain things in our lives that he uh, tells us to govern and and to watch over. And one of those, the biggest thing is to manage our spiritual life. Manage how you think. It all still points back to him. But when our plans start um, not having him and his plans, you know, not keeping his plans and what he wants to do, he calls that, what did he call it, evil. He says, be wise. Well, I'll do it in another translation. Let's try the message. I'm starting to like that more and more. Okay, um, let's go to verse 5 through 12. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. And do not, don't try to figure out everything on your own. I love this message. I'm getting to, to like this more and more. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God with an exclamation point. Run from evil with an exclamation point. Your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. I need that. (laughs) Honor God. (laughs) They ain't vibrating right right now. And they more or less clinging, clang, 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 clang. You know, I did some yard work yesterday, and I'm clanging. But, you know, I want to glow and vibrate. But it says your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Your barns will burst. Your wine, your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friend, ascend God's discipline. Don't sulk under his loving correction. It's the, it's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all this. Man, that's awesome. Mm, I like that. So enough said. 
God had to teach the Israelites not to lean on their own understanding. So he told them, I'm going to feed you. He said, I will feed you manna from heaven. This is what he told them. Amen. Hallelujah. And lean not to your own understanding. I will feed you. But they wanted to go back to Egypt, to Pharaoh's house, because they thought Pharaoh, which Pharaoh represents the world system, they thought Pharaoh was a better provider. That's why God got so mad at them. Because what they were saying when they said, well, you should have left us in Egypt. You brought us into the wilderness to starve us to death. They're saying Pharaoh's a better provider than you. That's what they were telling him. And he's almighty God, and Pharaoh is just somebody God could have blew from the blast of his nostril and got rid of him a long time ago. But he didn't because he had Pharaoh pursued him purposely. It was in his plan. So they could run to him, but they ran the other way. They ran back to Pharaoh. But God wanted them to run back to him. He wanted them to make a choice to come back to him. Amen. And this is what God wanted. And this is what he, this is why he, see some people get free will, especially the world. Oh, it's free will. I do what I want to do with my body as long as I'm not hurting anybody. That's not what free will is for. Free will is so that you make the right choice. And not the wrong choice. This is why God gives, and this is what he wanted those Egyptians to do. He wanted them to trust him. And when he says, I will feed you manna from heaven, I'm going to feed you bread from heaven. This is what, they, they didn't like that. Because, see, they said, well, you know, they, they wanted chicken delight from Pharaoh. He gave us what he wanted. But he's, a, he's the devil. And see, that's why so many people stay out in the world because they like it out there because they like the comforts of, comforts, comforts of what the world provides. So they were saying, he's a better provider than you, God. Amen. And so they murmured and complained. That's why they did that all the time. Let's go to Exodus 16. Exodus 16, verse 3. Go back to King James. And it says, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, that says flesh pots. Yeah. And when we did eat to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. This is them complaining. And then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not see he was it's always a test i'd rather just go with the flow stop getting pounced on by the devil because when you don't choose the right thing you're gonna get pounced on it says in verse five and it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. See, in other words, he said, don't bring no leftovers. Eat much as you can hold. 
but don't keep any. They didn't like what he gave them, but they still hoarded that to show you what kind of mentality they had. They didn't want that stuff, but they just wanted to be rebellious to keep thinking they're in control of what they were doing. Well, if we got to eat this, he ain't going to tell us how much to take. That was the attitude. He certainly's not going to tell us how much to take. Uh, we'll take what we want to take. <laughs> I do what I want to do. <laughs> I go where I want to go. <laughs> Amen. That's what they thought. Okay, so let's read it in the Amplified. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. See, it's a test. Keep telling folks, it's a test. And on the sixth day, they will prepare to bring it twice. They will prepare to bring in twice as much. As they gather daily. So Moses, and that was for the weekend, you know. It says, So Moses and Aaron said to all Israel, And at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your murmurs against the Lord. For what are we that you murmur against? And Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to be to the full. Because the Lord has heard your grumblings, which you murmured against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, say to all the congregation of Israel, come near before the Lord for he has heard your murmurings your murmurs and as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of Israel they looked toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud and the Lord said to Moses I have heard your murmurs your murmurings of the Israelites speak to them saying at twilight you shall eat meat and between the two evenings you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God and then then in the evening quails come up and cover the camp and in the morning the dew lay on the ground that was the manna and when the dew had gone upon be had gone behold upon the face of the wilderness there lay a fine round and flake like thing as fine as a horse frost on the ground and when the Israelites saw it they said one to another manna what is it for they did not know what it was and Moses said to them this is your bread which the Lord has given you to eat this is what the Lord has commanded and let every man gather it as much as he will need and Omer for each person according to the number of your persons take it even every man for those in his tent and the people did so and gathered some more some less amen follow instructions instructions are so important instructions can hold you up and then we think it's God go back and make sure you follow I would always say okay let me go back and see what did God tell me to do maybe I didn't do something and I would always kind of figure something or see something that maybe I started didn't finish but you have to follow God's instructions 
You can't just do anything you think you want to do, not be saved. Now, sinners can do that because they have a, a, a demise, a, a great demise that is waiting on them. But when you are, uh, you know, following the Lord, especially when God has called you to a specific work, you have to obey him. It's just that way. Amen. For a good outlook. Amen. So God wanted to feed them supernatural food to show his love. But they thought he he was going to let them starve. They didn't trust him. Again, a test. They couldn't get comfortable in in trusting the manna every day. So that's why they hoarded. Well, he's not going to do this every day. It's dumb for him to do that when there's so much laying around. So we're just going to take it. Well, somebody said, well, he said don't. Well, hmm, he ain't telling me what to do. I don't like this stuff anyway. So I'm going to get as much as I want. That's the way we are. Amen. Didn't get comfortable with trusting him. See, it's like this. We get tired of trusting God. We get tired of it. So then we want to go back to the way things used to be because we think it was better. But let me tell you what the Lord has shown me about that. It wasn't better. It's just all you knew. We like to go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar, because we think familiar was better. Familiar ain't better. It took me a long time to realize my life is better than it's ever been. Amen. I know God more. I get anything I want from him. He don't make me clean up. He don't make me cook if I don't feel like it. Amen. And a whole lot of other things, you know. Well, you had to live with Bronson to understand. Alright. Drill drill sergeant, Vietnam vet, a lot of demands. Not that I don't, you know, love him, but I love God more. How about that? Amen. So he don't crack the whip. He should a lot of times, but he don't. Amen. Because he loves us so much. But God likes to give us a daily portion. So we can always come back to him over. He never gets tired. Amen. He wants us to. And see, we'll look at this like, now let me tell you (laughs) how we think. I'm going to go get me a freezer. And I'm going to freeze some of this manna because you don't never know when some of these people are going to make him mad. And he might not give this manna fresh. I'm going to buy me a deep freezer. See, that's how we think. Amen. Have to stay sensitive to the, with the heart, with your heart, towards God. And give him some quality time. Amen. He don't, he don't have to have 10 hours and 4 hours a day. Quality is when you touch his heart. He don't care if it's 5 minutes. If it's true, it's true. If it's strong, it's strong. Amen. If it's real, it's real. With no distractions. He don't like it when you have that TV on and call yourself giving him your three deep minutes. That, don't, that won't get it. Amen. Won't get it. But he wants, see, God is a jealous God. He's just like a jealous husband. Amen. Amen. Got, got to know the one you serve. Amen. One more scripture, Luke 6. All about trust in him, because ain't none of us got it going on. It's all about trusting. 612. 
And it says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour and moment what you ought to say. Amen. Did I want that? Let's go to the King James. Okay. I don't know what I put that down there for. Okay, I think I put that down there because when you give God your time, you don't have to go with something specific on your mind. Amen. As long as you're one mind with Christ, He'll tell you. You have you ever have you ever just gone to God because you were just upset and you just want to feel at peace, and then He'll think you think of some a prayer you need or somebody you need to pray for. That's what this is saying. He will bring to your mind. Which you need to be praying. Amen. In that time. In that solitude. In that time. And we don't need to unplug from God. We need to unplug from the world system. And get in that solitude. Enter into that solitude. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And teach us what to say. What we ought to pray. You know if you're going to minister to somebody. He'll teach you what you don't try to pre-think God. Even in prayer. Even when you're ministering, don't try to pre. He will. God is running this show if we let him. Amen. So he will do this if if we allow him. Quality time is what he's looking for with no distractions. Amen. And he says we have the mind of Christ. And you'll see that more and more the more time you spend with him and the more unplugging from the world system and the world system of thinking. When we unplug from the world, we'll think more like him. Philippians 4, 8 says to think on things that are good, lovely, and pure and of good report. Things that are thankworthy and praiseworthy to think on these things. And, and then our perception will change. This is why God tells us, yeah, he tells us everything. Tells us what to think. Tells us where to go. Tells us what to do. Tell us what to eat. <laughs> Tell us what we can have. Because he owns us. And every time we follow his instructions, it's always good. But when we try to do things our way, because we think we know so much, he'll confound your wisdom in some way. And God is pretty lenient. Because you know what? All he wants to do is just bless us. All he wants to do is bless us. And this is why he'll go against your head knowledge, what you think. You know, and, and we all need to admit we don't know nothing. Amen. I know that rubs somebody wrong. Need to admit that because we don't even know what's good for our own selves. We don't know. I know I don't, but I know God does. <laughs> he does. He knows what's good for me. And he has a straight, you know, he has a set out. He hasn't struck me out. Hallelujah. Amen. But your natural man will put you out of the game if you keep listening to him. Amen. He will. See, when God brings us into challenging things, he wants to, he's really trying to get the, the fear out of us. He was trying to get those disciples to have faith and get rid of the fear. The opposite of fear is faith. And so he was trying to bring them into a knowledge of him and to let them know that he was with them so that they wouldn't be afraid. 
And they would leave doubt and unbelief alone and start to trust him. And so this is all God wants. All he wants to do is bless you. And that's why he told you to stand for something that you couldn't see. Are y'all here? I know you hear me. Amen. He ain't speaking to your head. He don't care about what happened. Well, they fired me because I did do that wrong. Do do you want your job back? Yeah. Well, go and pursue it. He don't care about what you did. He already know what you did. Amen. That's how it is. He's trying to show you that you're your biggest enemy. Because he got all that stuff straightened out. Amen. He's had that straightened out from day one. And he just wants to bless us. So when we find ourselves getting our knowledge, weighing it against his knowledge, repent. Because, you know, it may come a time when we can't repent. You don't never know. Nothing's promised. The Bible says tomorrow's not promised to anybody. I want to be left standing in so somebody will bring a boat and I can get in the boat. Those people that died in Katrina, I bet. You know what some of them said? They thought it was the end of the world because they didn't have communication with anybody. And so then when they, the second day or third day when they start seeing helicopters and nobody rescued them, they said they thought we were invaded by the, you know, terrorists. And it had to be a reason why is nobody rescuing us. But it was a horrible thing, but there was a lot of uh, praise and God showed up for a lot of people in, during this whole thing. And I think he answered the call of those that listened. This one family was out in that water and it was about bodies floating by bodies and somebody I can't remember which person whether it's, I think it was the woman said if I could just have something to drink and somebody said I I got a taste for a coke and there's some cokes a whole six pack of cokes floated by and then after they drunk that they said I sure am hungry here comes some food and then they said if we could get out of this water he come a rubber raft in a in a thing like come from a sporting goods store and they had to got in the raft God is faithful (laughs) everybody didn't perish in that thing Um, I believe the soothsayers and all those other folks but honey if you you on the rock you keep stay on the rock and don't get upset when God tells you to do something you're scared to do. He done told me to do a couple things that I had some fear, but I did it. And you know what the problem was? Me. Because when I learned that it, everything is in animation that the, that the devil does for my benefit, and I'm dumb enough to keep looking at him, look at him. Amen. Look at God. Amen. <laughs> Look at God, because he, he can really put on a show if you want to. And then the thing that really makes us feel dumb is in the end when we finally do what he wants us to do. We get blessed, and he say, I told you, but you got to follow those instructions. Quit looking at the, quit looking what's past. Don't look at it, because the devil is doing a number on you, because he wants you to feel bad about who you are. And see... You know what looking back does? It doesn't leave room for improvement. You keep looking back, you'll do a repeat performance. But if you look forward, look to the hills from which your help comes from, then you can get on a new course. 
Amen. Devil don't want that. He he wants you to be a statistic. And I'm not a statistic. I'm an overcomer. Amen. So are you. All right, I'll stop. Father, we thank and praise you. And we lift you up. Amen. We thank you for your word. Father, we will give up our natural thinking.